Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo, and welcome to the fourth episode of AKA Sports. And as always, if you're watching us on YouTube, there's actually several other ways that you can actually listen to us in case you don't have the time of day. Uh, simply go to anchor.fm slash AKA Sports and you will find the many various ways that you can find us on podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, just to name a few. Again, that is anchor.fm slash AKA Sports. Or you can find us on Facebook. Just simply go to facebook.com slash aka sports and is with me as always the man simply known as fletch fletch how goes it hey what's up man how you doing and we are going well i'm very excited for this week uh, obviously we have some news and notes as we always touch on but we have an actual live mock draft today something yeah yeah, that, yeah. yes we'll be definitely putting both of those teams up on our twitter as well as our facebook try and get some ideas of which team everybody likes obviously they're already going to vote for mine but that's to be understood uh -huh. of at this point uh now fletch uh, we've talked a little bit off camera uh you've played for i think you said 10 years at this point um i've been into it since about oh one so i've got a little few more years on you but i will want to ask you this because i know i've made some mistakes throughout my fantasy football career uh, what kind of mistakes have you run into maybe in your early years or maybe in your later years that you're still kind of teaching yourself to try and get away from i feel like lately man i've been overthinking it um last couple of years i told you off air that i make the playoffs every year since day one i make the playoffs every year or if not I'm, i got a winning record so we're, we're hoping to keep that up but the last two years um the mistakes that i've made and maybe this is just i have an infatu infatuation with receivers so going receiver heavy early is not the wave um i've learned that the hard way last time i won a league i went two running backs first two picks so that is probably what I want to do more often than not. So that's my that's my word of advice. Do not go wide receiver heavy. I just don't. The, the risk is too high. You got a great team. Looks like on paper. And then all of a sudden you realize your running backs ain't up to par. Why one wide receiver goes down and then you're kind of stuck. So keep that in mind. Do not go wide receiver heavy. Hey, I absolutely agree with that, especially with the depth at that position overall. You can easily find receivers later, especially with ones that typically go undrafted. They kind of surprise all of us fantasy managers into the midseason. Um, as for me, when it comes to mistakes, one biggest mistake, or biggest mistake, especially early on in my fantasy career, uh, was drafting the players from my favorite team. Yes, it is cool to finally have your favorite players. You put them on your roster. And lo and behold, that entire team goes onto the IR or has a down year or several down games. It, it just destroys your fantasy team. So it's nice to have one or two, especially if your team is a high volume type offense, maybe like a Kansas City or Tampa Bay, something like that. That's no problem. But if your favorite team is more along the lines of uh, maybe my San Francisco 49ers, for example, they typically have multiple injuries throughout the year. So having both the likes of a, like a Debo Samuel and a Brandon Ayuk, just not really ideal Hey, take one and then kind of see what happens. So avoid that mistake as well. Um, definitely very excited for this mock draft. Uh, but before we get into it, let's go ahead and jump into the news and notes from the round of world of sports. First and foremost, this past Thursday was one of the coolest things that I have ever seen. 
Um, I've seen a lot of replays of it. It is the Field of Dreams game, the first game, first Major League Baseball game in Iowa. Uh, it was obviously right off the movie set from the actual Field of Dreams movie back in 1989, starring Kevin Cosner and James Earl Jones, uh, depicting uh, basically players coming out of the cornfield um, and trying to relive their glory days, along with Kevin Cosner's uh, character in the movie trying to uh, get in touch with his past father uh, Fletch absolutely one of the coolest things I have ever seen uh, what is your thoughts on the field of dreams yeah it was unique it was unique I really like the idea of it it kind of gives you a, uh, a different feel for the game and it felt kind of felt organic a little bit um, was it forced or anything like that so um, it's kind of it's kind of one of those cool things in, in, in each sport that you can do like for instance, you know, we saw, what is it, the uh, the Winter Classic that hockey does where they play outside. That's cool. Or the college football games that were on the uh, the the aircraft carriers. That's cool. Like, so this, I rank this right up there with that. That's kind of, that's some cool stuff there. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And I watched a few of the highlights with Kevin Cosner talking with the analysts throughout the game. And he was just giving insight after insight throughout the movie and just how much it meant to him. Uh, absolutely a place that if you had the chance to go see the actual Field of Dreams field, definitely go do so, especially now that there is a basically a partial MLB stadium right beside it that seats roughly less than 8,000. Um, the absolutely coolest thing I think I saw within that game was the fact that it is the most watched MLB regular season game in the last 16 years. See? It is crazy. So I'm very excited to see maybe what's next for maybe any other major sport, just like you mentioned as well. Maybe we can get a basketball game underneath some water somewhere. Maybe uh, that would be pretty cool. Oh gosh, <laughs> That would be nuts. All right. So moving on, just a quick little uh, tidbit. If you are watching on TV, the Little League World Series is about to begin coming this Thursday on the 19th. Um, it is a only no international teams due to COVID protocols. So all U.S. teams. So basically every single U.S. team that played in the championship game was an automatic bid to go into uh, Williamsport. So we'll see an all U.S. Uh, team and all U.S. tournament. Fletch, I know we haven't really done any type of deep dives in here. Uh, give me one state that you think that might just take it all. Um, man, that's tough. Um, I'm going to just go outside the box a little bit, I guess. Um, well, not too much outside the box. Let me just go with Texas. Fair enough. Yes. I, I like that Texas pick. Obviously, California is a heavy hitter. Uh, I just watched New Hampshire play the other day. It'll be the first time that that team in that area has gone to Williamsport. So expect big things and just exciting baseball. It's one of the more fun baseball games to watch. All these kids just going out there, just having a blast, uh, just having an absolute fun with it. So if you can, starting this Thursday and Friday will be the first rounds in Williamsport. Uh, moving on, the NBA Summer League. Fletch, I know you've been watching a little bit. There's a lot of pros, a lot of cons. What have you been keeping an eye on here for the NBA Summer League? It's been interesting. Um, it's fun to watch. This year is one of the I, – I think we kind of took it for granted after missing it. Well, I think last year we just kind of went without one. But um, I liked uh, – coming into this year, I really liked the second-year guys that had a little bit of success last year that decided to come back, like Tyrese Maxey from Philadelphia, 
Um, New York has Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly coming back. So it just kind of shows you like guys are really trying to work on their games. But across the board, you really wanted to see what the big names out of this past year's drafts have done. The big names that are coming back from last year and just kind of see how they're stacking up and um, a few takeaways that I got, man, I kind of go over a few, but uh, first and foremost, those second year guys are showing they are second year guys. They are most likely than not the best player on the court when they're on the court. Um, so shout out to those guys quickly and Obi Toppin have been having really good games for New York. Um, Tyrese Maxey has been a stud for Philly, man. Um, I watched them play Atlanta and speaking of Atlanta, I don't know who is what uh, what these other teams were thinking, but Sharif Cooper out of Auburn at 48 was an absolute steal. When I tell you he went toe to toe with Tyrese Maxey the whole game, that was very impressive. Very, very impressive. So um, that was the, the number one takeaway is the second year guys dominating. Going into what I mentioned with Sharif Cooper is their sleepers. Who's really showing out from there? Um, I mentioned Sharif Cooper. Uh, Bones Highland, Highland from uh, VCU had a really good game. He got drafted by Denver. I want to say his last game was like 28 points. Um, excuse me, Quentin Grimes is another guy. Um, it's kind of low on the radar, but if you guys remember from Houston, a really good team from last year. I know you remember, Clark. I want to say Sweet 16, uh, maybe Elite 8 last year. Right. Okay. Okay. I think it was Elite Eight. And then, you know, he had 28 points in his last game. Another Nick. So, like, look out for the Knicks. We we talked about it when we did the free agency uh, uh, podcast. And um, we mentioned how the Knicks, we didn't really love their moves, but it wasn't, like, terrible. It was just felt like everybody kind of passed them up. But you see what they're doing now with the, the draft pick that they have. Um, the contract that they signed Kimba to was really good. So, um, and then these other, then also too quickly and Obi Toppin, like I mentioned, really showing out in summer league. So, um, and Miles McBride is another one from New York. I'm sorry, 23 points. I can't leave him out. He had 23 points last night. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's, I like what I'm seeing out of the Knicks. I like what I'm seeing out of the the Hawks. Like I mentioned, um, the Lakers actually look pretty good with their undrafted guys. So that's something to look out for. Some two way contracts, but those are the the biggest takeaways that I have right now. The second year guys showing up being being the best out there um a couple key guys in the background really showing out and i guess just to finish it up clark we know we all we're here for the lottery guys too um i told you off air i'm not changing my rookie of the year pick yet but Jalen green looks like he's been playing for three years already right yes he absolutely has and uh, we've talked about it before as well it's just simply his ability his choice of going from high school straight to the NBA G League is definitely a path that's going to be opened up to many, many other athletes in high school. They're looking to potentially just go out and get experience right away. Some of these top end talents that just don't want to go to college or they just don't feel like they need to. Um, on one hand, it kind of you know pushes me away from my mentality of going out there and getting an education, which is extremely important. Um, but there's a lot of these talents out there, especially in the olden days before the one-and-done rule, uh, the Kobe Bryants of the world, the LeBron Jameses of the world. Those are the super talents that, I mean, do you really need them to see them for one year in college or even oh. just one year in the G League? But just to your point here in the Summer League, Jalen Green looks years above every single one of these players, even the second-year guys. That's just how much experience and how good this kid is. So I'm 
very excited to see exactly what he can do moving forward. But as you mentioned, I think based on what you're saying is that that arrow's pointing a little less towards Cade Cunningham, maybe a little bit closer towards Jalen Green. And uh, once we actually get into training camps, as you mentioned, get a little bit better idea of what's going on, maybe you'll have a better idea before you actually lock in your Rookie of the Year pick. Oh yeah, when we when we come down and do the uh, when we do the NBA show, we'll 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 touch on that. I, I have a I have a better grasp on things right now. You know, we're we're kind of just winging it, but um, I guess let me ask you as well. Um, I meant to throw this back to you. Do you think the development from these high school players taking the G League route or the international route is going to? It's, and then also too taking consideration what's going on with the NCAA right now with the name, image, and likeness. Um, do you possibly see the one and done rule either being done for good or being changed in some kind of way, maybe adding another year to it? If you go to college, you got to stay two years or you need to go ahead and take one of these other routes and kind of help push kids that are ready now to go pro internationally. Maybe, I don't know. What, what What's your take on it? I would say if there's definitely going to be a change happening, I wouldn't suspect that there's going to be an added year to it. I don't think it's going to be like a two or three year deal or anything like that. If anything does change, it will definitely getting rid of the one and done. Um, I'm a big fan of getting rid of it, even though I am a Kentucky fan wearing my Kentucky apparel right now. Um, I've always loved the fact of Calipari going out there and finding the top end talent and letting them know that, hey, if you want to go to the NBA, this is a good way to do it. But there are so many other ways they're popping up. You have the G League, you have uh, international play once COVID protocols uh, allow for that to happen. Um, and then the the addition of the NIL, what it really does is just gives them another another reason just not to go to college. You don't have to go to college in order to you know get in on the NIL. Jalen Green can do whatever he wants right now, plus get a salary uh, with the G League. So... More often than, well, more likely, I would say the one and done rule is probably going to go away at some point, um, especially with the NCAA losing more and more power. We're going to see a lot more of these players just simply go to the G League or uh, we there was that rumbling at one point of the big baller league, potentially something along those lines. Uh, I yeah. doubt that's actually going to have any concrete status, but Yes, I, I fully expect the one-and-done rule. If anything does change, it's going to go away, and we're going to have a lot more of the higher-talented uh, players go to the G League, especially if there's no penalty of at least looking into it and having a chance to see if it's worth going in there or if it's better to just go ahead and go to college for at least a year, maybe even end up there a couple years depending on uh, exactly where you go and what kind of studies you have. And that's the beauty of the G League, I think, too, is the fact that you can, you know, you you can try to go one and done essentially out of the G League, like um, Jalen Green or uh, Jonathan Kuminga, that they got drafted seventh overall um, by the by the Warriors. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting, man. Um, I think the G League is going to change some things, also too, like you mentioned, with maybe not adding gears because the NCAA does have less power and how that changes things if kids are really wanting to go to school or not. So. Um, and also it just changes the route to kind of achieve their dreams, if you will. I know growing up for me, it was always going to, I wanted to go to North Carolina. That was just me. But, you know, for these guys, it's like, okay, how do I get to the league? Like college is cool, but 
I know I can go make money now. I, I'd rather do that than go to school to then make money later on some type of career. But if I know I have the skill and the talent, the size and, and, and you know, other abilities, like, why not? So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely a route that will probably continue to be explored, especially with Jalen Green showing what kind of success it can allow. But mm -hmm. remember, just because Kobe Bryant worked out doesn't mean Kwame, Kwame Brown's going to work out. So True. it's not going to be a route for everyone, but it's definitely what we should do is eliminate that one and done rule so that we can give them all the options to choose from rather than trying to restrict them. Um, is really my opinion on it, and it sounds like it's your opinion as well. Yeah, um, sure thing. And now I think that really kind of covers everything. There was one little note of uh, college football. Um, obviously, we've mentioned before at the end of the, I think the last episode, the ever-evolving landscape of college football itself. Uh, there was a report that came out this past week about the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC uh, potentially joining in an alliance. Now, if you read the report, it basically was the all the 80s were at the conference. They were talking. They've had some type of talks. Now, how extensive or not extensive, we don't know that for sure. But as of right now, they're just in preliminary talks just to try and reschedule themselves to where if a team like a Maryland, for example, wanted to go play somebody in the Pac-12 or the ACC, it's going to be a lot easier than it would be trying to find a, you know, a home and home series with maybe a Pac-12 or a Big 12 opponent or an SEC opponent. So that's really what it boils down to at this very moment. But we're all not blind to the situation. We all know what the SEC has done in 2025. They'll be adding Texas and Oklahoma. So uh, very, very likely this alliance may eventually become a merger of sorts and we'll see all these teams join into either one super conference or create their own conferences and kind of protect themselves from trying to vulture teams out of each one. Is that kind of what you were kind of getting there as well, Fletch? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's an ever-changing thing right now, and I think that situation is extremely fluid, minus contracts. Um, that's the only thing, kind of like the Texas-Oklahoma uh, contract with the Big 12, where essentially that does not become official until 2025. So that's the only thing that kind of holds things up. If there is some type of way to do, not necessarily a merger, but an alliance that allows teams to play other major conference teams more freely, then you may see, um, you know, contracts not being much of an issue in that situation possibly happening a lot faster than a whole team or school switching conferences. But, I mean, what I will say is this. I do think we're kind of – the reason why we're here is – and we kind of touched on it, uh, NCAA basketball, a little bit, but the aspect of NCAA basketball is this. My, minor schools or schools at, uh, at mid-majors or group of five in college football – are not penalized as much as they are in basketball as they are in football. That's why you see teams like Gonzaga who have who has talent all the time is all the way at the top, whereas Cincinnati and UCF can't even knock on the door of the college playoffs. So it's um, something that I think we'll kind of see change quite a bit. I don't know what the big answer is going to be yet. It's kind of like a video game right now, Clark, where it's like you kind of you almost want to mix and match them, move them around a little bit and see who goes where and and kind of build you know, maybe two or four major conferences and just roll with it that way. I don't know. 
Yeah, it would be very interesting. Again, just like we said in the last episode, it's an ever-evolving landscape. Just keep an ear out, keep an eye out, and kind of just understand that it's a very slow-moving process at this point. Um, everything's still kind of in the works at this moment. But do not be surprised if in the near future we start talking about Super Leagues and having a lot of very big conferences compared to a bunch of smaller ones, especially with we don't know what's going to happen with the remaining teams in the Big 12 and how long they're going to stay there, if they're going to add teams or if they're just going to completely just dissolve. But again, evolving situation. Keep an eye out for it. Uh, we'll continue to talk about it as more news comes along. Um Fletch, we are at that moment where let's talk about our sponsor before we jump into our mock draft. Our sponsor is Legit Framing. Yet once again, we want to thank them for the sponsorship. Uh, if you have sports memorabilia that you want framed, if you have jerseys, gloves, if you have turf, we've done it all. Uh, simply put them in a 24 by 36 size frame, black wood or Brazilian walnut, or even go up to a 30 by 36 size frame. Uh, we can do it. Nice styrene, blackwood frames, double-mounted player photos, team logos. Uh, they look really, really good. If you want suggestions or ideas of how might they look, simply go to facebook.com slash legitframing or send us a, an email at legitframing at hotmail.com. Again, let us create your next conversation piece. Now it is the time, Fletch. We were friends before. But now we're enemies because it is mock draft time. Yes, the gloves are way off. Today we'll Table be doing up. a mock draft for our, our fantasy football show. Uh, now we were both in the same league when it comes to Sleeper. We'll be using their platform, hashtag not a sponsor. But it is one of the best platforms that are out there, especially as uh, it is the number one in Dynasty Leagues. Um, but you can also do it on many other platforms. Sleeper is just the easiest one, the, uh, the cleanest one to use uh, for our purposes here today. Uh, this mock draft is a 12-team full-point PPR. It is a standard roster size of one QB, two wide receiver, two running backs, a standard flex spot, a tight end. Uh, typically, we would have a kicker and a defense, but for time purposes and for the amount of points that those positions actually get for you, uh, we will not be drafting them in this draft. So don't be confused why you don't see a defense go in the ninth round. It's just because they should be going towards the end of the draft anyway. Um, so now Fletch will be talking about uh, our fantasy do's and don'ts as we go throughout this mock draft. Um, I also want to let everybody know that Fletch has chosen the number three overall spot. And I have chosen the number 10 overall spot, so the exact opposite side of the board. Um, I wanted to go with a spot that typically gives some fantasy managers problems. Uh, you might run into some harder decisions depending on how the draft goes along. On the opposite side, Fletch will get off to a very quick start, but he'll have to wait a little bit longer. Uh, Fletch, any questions before we get started? Uh, what happens when I win? Well, we'll leave that up to the polls. We'll be putting <laughs> both of our teams up on Twitter and Facebook, and we might just figure out some type of prize for me. Um, I haven't really decided what I want yet, but we'll let Twitter decide 
which of our teams uh, was best. Again, this is a 12-team full-point PPR. Uh, you'll be drafting a little bit different if you're in a half PPR or if you're in a typical type of standard-type scoring league. Um, it's not that much different. You're typically looking for players that not only can run the ball but can also catch the ball as well. Uh, there is no tight end premium, and there is no quarterback premium for touchdowns. Just simple scoring for PPR. Um, let's go ahead and get this puppy started. And uh, the first two picks pretty much went off the board as what we thought, maybe not in the exact order. In this one, they went Dalvin Cook and then Christian McCaffrey. The pick is yours. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So with the third pick, um, just some things to kind of point out. Obviously, one and two should be the opposite way, but these should be one and two. Uh, from here, it, it's because it's PPR, I feel like you have to value Kamara much more than you do uh, uh, Derrick Henry. I think these two are these two are the guys you consider in in a standard league or a uh, a half point PPR. Saquon Barkley may interest you as we talk about PPR, but consistently Alvin Kamara can put up a thousand yards receiving, thousand yards rushing, touchdowns on both ends, plus all the receptions you get. So for me, number three, long as the first two go true as uh, as they should, no brainer, Alvin Kamara. And I, I agree with that. There definitely can be a conversation had about potentially putting Derrick Henry there, especially this year with the quarterback situation in uh, New Orleans. They just played their first preseason game, and both quarterbacks did what you thought they might, which was throw an interception in this game. Um, so there's not really any confidence uh, heading into their second preseason game, but it is still super early. The uh, upside for Kamar, as you mentioned, is he's the do-it-all guy there. Uh, Michael Thomas is more than likely going to start the season uh, at least injured. Worst case scenario on the pup list, which means the first six weeks he is completely right. gone. Um, there's really nobody else to throw it to there. Maybe the emergence of some other players that we'll talk about later in this draft. But I really, really like Kamara there. Uh, the only upside that you can see with Henry, obviously he doesn't catch the ball a whole lot. It's just the amount of touches that he gets year to year to year. And it seems like fantasy analysts, especially starting this season, was pushing more towards Derrick Henry. Might be one of those years where he finally starts showing chinks in the armor. But remember, he didn't really come out of the gate starting right away in his NFL career. It took him a couple years to really get the full workload. Um, so I really like the Kamara pick. I can understand Henry, but that's really where the conversation ends at the three spot. Right. So now I've got a 10 spot here, and there's a lot uh, of interesting options for me. Uh, two of them actually just went off the board, unfortunately. Uh, at the 10 spot, what I'm typically looking for is the high-end running back. Running backs are a very shallow pool of players, comparative to receivers that are super deep. Um, and then obviously we'll be getting to my actual first pick here in a second but typically i'm looking for zeke chubb in this situation um one of those two running backs if they fall to me here at the 10 spot it's just an easy click and go i'm not interested in a receiver because again at the depth at receiver if you take a running back here or if you take another position here that your second pick in the second round or your next pick in the second round it can easily be a high-end receiver still. You can easily wait to the third. Receivers are going to be there, and you're going to like how the team works out at the end. But since both of my running backs went off the board, and I'm not really feeling the Aaron Jones, even though Aaron Rodgers is there, he's a little bit of a tear down. So for me, I'm going to start Travis Kelsey at the 10 spot. 
he had a monster, monster year last year. All expectations is he'll probably do something very similar yet again this year. Um, a lot of us, especially uh, Fletch, we were talking about it the other day, that if we can get one of these high-end tight ends early in the draft, our team is just going to look that much better. Is that you still on that wavelength with me? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a slight separation between the top three and the top five. But I, and I think after that, you um, you almost got to strike gold. Uh, one of those top five guys is really, if you have a chance to get them, I would say go ahead and get them. Absolutely. And before we go on here, I do want to say that uh, in between our picks went Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor at the six. Tyreek Hill at the 7, Zeke Elliott at the 8, and then Nick Chubb at the 9. After my pick for Travis Kelsey at the 10, it went Devontae Adams, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones to double up on a running back for Team 12, and then DK Metcalf went for Team 11 at the 2-2. So we've seen a few couple of receivers, nothing huge go off the board. Unfortunately, Eckler and Jones went off the board. I would have loved to turn at the two to get one of those two high-end running backs here. So really my choices are coming down to if I go receiver, I've got Stephon Diggs or DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you could potentially throw in an A.J. Brown there, but it's, it's really those two up top is really where I'm considering. Another option is the running back position, which either between Joe Mixon and Najee Harris. Uh, for the purpose of this draft, I really, excuse me, love having Travis Kelsey at the number one. He is just a weekly winner at the position, regardless of what I do. Uh, so for me, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to take me some Najee Harris. Um, a very good player. He's going to be heavily utilized in this offense. Yes, he is a rookie. Yes, he might get off to a slow start, but for me, having the stability of Kelsey in that tight end spot for me, obviously I still have to go and still draft another running back, probably ending up looking somewhere in the back end of the third or the start of the fourth, but I really like that starting position because I know if I still have my number one receiver, even if it's in the fourth or fifth round, I'm going to be thrilled. So before you get to your next pick, uh, players that went off the board at the 2-4 uh, went Joe Mixon, then Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson to go four straight receivers, and then Patrick Mahomes went at the 2-9, which honestly, uh, for me, it's way too early to be drafting Mahomes. I know he more than likely will return uh, top-end value for you. Where do you stand on drafting quarterbacks early, Fletch? Yeah, man, that's actually a big don't for me. Uh, I will not draft a quarterback this early. There's too many, uh, kind of similar to the uh, wide receiver debate as well, is like there's a lot of quality quarterbacks. Uh, and quarterbacks that are QB2s do not break you. As long as they can be pretty consistent QB2s for you, they won't break you. Um, personally, I'd really like to go with a, a mid to low end QB1 because I know they can possibly have those games that can project them up into the top five. Whereas, you know, the earlier you draft a quarterback, the more you're banking on him. And it, your team would suffer if something would happen to him because you put so much stock into him. So Patrick Mahomes, love him to death, but that's a bit early for me. Um, as far as the second round goes, the where we are here at the, at the back end of it, you can kind of see what's happened now. You've seen at least how many backs, how many backs are we at now, Clark? Was it about 12 backs gone already? 
Yep, 12 backs have gone off the board. Yep, 12, so 12 backs are gone. Um, there's some really good receivers out there. Your top receivers are pretty much gone, except for Calvin Ridley here. So you always want, you want to consider that with no Julio Jones, you bring in Kyle Pitts to kind of still draw some attention away from Calvin. But, you know, Calvin really finishes, you know, very high the last two years or the first his first two years in the league. You, you can um, also, too, if you're using Sleeper, always feel free to click on their names. They have really good projections that kind of show you where they finished. And last year, Calvin, Calvin really finished fifth. So just something to take consideration. What I like to do here, though, is I like these running backs that are at the back end of this first round. These are your guys that can possibly are definite RB2s, but definitely could, you know, project into possibly being an RB1 based on volume, based on, I mean, these three guys that we're looking at here between Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift, and actually Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well. I mean, we got four guys here that are starting running backs, no doubt. There's a little help behind him, but nothing to take him, take anything away from these guys. Um, so I think we go, we're going to double up on running backs with this pick. You all, you all, you want to consider George Kittle, but you know the running backs here will solidify my team. I feel like, and we're going to roll with Antonio Gibson. Out of these four guys, I like his situation the most. You kind of wait for the draft and hope another guy maybe falls to you since you're at the back end. And I kind of was waiting there at the top of the third to hopefully one of these other backs falls to me um, to kind of give me some more options to work with. But just to kind of mention these four, because I think this is a good spot to kind of uh, mention this, Clark, because after this, you can tell the difference between the running backs drop off a little bit. Clark, or uh, between Gibson, Swift, Dobbins, and Edwards Hilaire. Clark, which one of these four guys are you feeling the most? Uh, really heading into this season, there's a lot of concern with, um, really for me, it's, I don't, I'm not big on Dobbins. I loved him in Ohio State. Uh, the problem with Dobbins is he's just on an offense that likes to run the football, has a running quarterback. Yes, he's, he really had a good half in last year. It just limits the upside, limits the ceiling when you're trying to draft in this position uh, of having Dobbins there. Um, I absolutely love CEH, second year in that offense in a high-scoring Kansas City game. Uh, they used him a little bit last year when it came to like uh, two-minute drills. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the red zone, but I really think in a second-year offense with Andy Reid, he could really take another step forward and have a really, really good year. I uh, absolutely love Antonio Gibson. Obviously, the only issue there is that uh, the offense isn't as explosive as Kansas City, um, but you like the fact that they're willing to potentially put him in a miniature like CMC role. Obviously, Rivera coming in as the new head coach uh, in Washington there. I really like your pick with Gibson. I think it's Gibson and then a very close CEH is where I would be. Uh, either one of those, if I'm coming out of the draft with either one of those as my number two, yeah, absolutely. Sign me up all day long. Um, yes. But, yeah, it's, it has to be. Yes, yes. I, I I think we're on the same page, of course, with the rankings, I, I, I believe. Gibson is the f number one here because I think of how they're going to use him, what he was able to do last year. Um, I want to say last year was, if I'm not mistaken, it was well over a thousand yards, but a lot of touchdowns as well for him. And um, that was the big kicker for him is the amount of touchdowns he had. And if his production increases or just his touches increases alone, I mean, you're going to see a guy that's the 13th back picked in our mock possibly finish top eight. Um, is I think there's a quite a bit of a ceiling for him. Um, so moving on, we kind of mentioned it. 
out of those four backs, the second one was CEH um, for me as well, because that offense is really explosive. Uh, Sammy Watkins is no longer there, so you kind of have um, a little bit of a void to fill, and I don't think one guy is just going to come in and, and uh, do that for them alone. So I think you'll see a little bit more production out of a few other players that we haven't seen that from, and that could be CEH a little bit more in the passing game. Um, he's been described as maybe not fast, but shifty, which we've seen a lot of shifty players do very well in the league. Uh, so yes. we're hoping to kind of see the same. Um, right here is where I'm tempted to go ahead and go ahead and just go three running backs. I feel like you got your number one running back in Kamara, who could possibly finish first overall. Um, you have Gibson here, who, like I mentioned, has a really good floor where you're going to see at least minimum, I think, a top 15 finish as your RB2. At most, you may see something in the top eight, top five, you know, if you if you, if you you kind of see him boom a little bit. Um, I am going to go ahead and go with it, man. We're going to go with the three-headed running back monster. Now, a couple things to mention here, though. I feel like I may be passing up on Darren Waller. We've mentioned the tight ends. If you can yeah. get one, get one. But running backs being scarce again after this point, and I'm surprised that CEH has fallen to me, is the reason why I ta I'm taking him. If he's not available, I think Josh Jacobs is a guy to at least look at. And then if you're not 100% on your wide receivers here coming up into with these next couple picks, uh, I really like Keenan Allen and, and Terry McLaurin, who I think should get picked in the next three, four picks after me. So we're going to lock my pick in, lock in our running backs. And there we go. Nothing wrong with that strategy there. Now, after your last pick of Antonio Gibson, it was, went DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and then George Kittle at the turn. Then Calvin Ridley went to 3-2 before you drafted CEH. And then came Josh Jacobs, Allen Robinson, Josh Allen in a mid-third round, super early. No, um, no. No, absolutely no. Terry McLaurin uh, for Team 7. Darren Waller went 3-8. He's kind of slipped just a little bit. And then yeah. Keenan Allen right before my pick at the at the 10 spot. Um, I will say Team 9, that was unnecessary because uh, <laughs> that was definitely an option for me. I love how if Keenan Allen or Terry McLaurin or Allen Robinson, any one of those three happened to fall at the 10 spot, absolutely take them. It's just... Yes. They are the tear break for me when it comes to them and then the next group of receivers. Not that anybody in the next group isn't great, because like I mentioned before, if you can get your number one receiver in the fourth, you're still thrilled. But if you can potentially get just the end of that tier before you get into that fourth round, it would definitely help some things out. Now, as for me, I started off with Travis Kelsey and then Najee Harris. So here... Again, I'm not looking at quarterbacks. They're completely off my board. Don't have to worry about tight ends for the rest of the year until Travis Kelsey's bye week. Um, and really at this point with Najee Harris, it pushes me towards having to go running back. And there's still some very good options here. Now, Miles Sanders to me, and Fletch, I'll have you chime in on this one. To me, Miles Sanders is completely off my draft board. I just do not trust that offense. I don't trust the offensive line. I don't trust the fact that they're going to use multiple running backs in many, many games. Are you still seeing that as well, or am I just kind of off on my own on this one? No, I think you're. I think you're right in this one, man. I, I don't. I would never. I wouldn't disagree with you in this circumstance at all because um now is where you kind of start to see your do not draft guys really start to pop up on the board i think before this the only thing you could say is don't draft a quarterback 
that this early, um, you know, that's something that I would I would definitely not want to do. Everything else has been pretty solid, but Miles Sanders is going to be the first player I think on my do not draft list. Um, and also, if you've been paying attention, um, and can't Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie running back that they drafted, is getting a little bit a uh, little bit of praise there. So, and Philly's never been a a one back situation since really what Westbrook. Uh, before McCoy would probably be the last one that they uh, true. heavily yeah. utilized. That was with Andy Reid there. Exactly, exactly. With this new regime, you you haven't seen that. Correct. So, yeah, he's definitely on the do not draft list. Now, if he happens to fall to a spot that makes a lot more sense, maybe uh, it would have to be for me would be in this spot would have to be late fifth, which will never happen. So, that's why he's on my do not draft list. It's nothing to him directly. He is a super talented player. Um, we saw it last year. There were several games. There was even the one game against Pittsburgh that was supposed to have a tremendously great defense, and he torched them that game. So the talent is there. I just don't like the system to, especially since I have a Najee Harris already, I need somebody that's going to be my second best running back that's going to give me stability. Just in case Najee Harris isn't quite there yet in the first three or four weeks time frame, I have someone that I can rely on. So I went ahead and took Chris Carson. Uh, he is the guy there in Seattle. They're going to continue to run the ball quite a bit. I understand that they're, uh, they brought in another type of offensive coordinator potentially to either throw the ball a little bit more, let Russ cook a little bit. Either way, Chris Carson is going to be absolutely just fine. Just have to avoid the injuries, have to avoid the fumbles, and he'll be just fine. Uh, then the next ones off the board were Julio Jones, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, allowing Team 12 to have four running backs to start the draft, and then Kyler Murray in the early fourth round, which really for me, the quarterbacks in the fourth round, if you're going to take one, would be a Kyler Murray or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson. Uh, again, neither Fletch or I are going to draft a quarterback that early. So let other teams do that. If it if you really feel confident, you can, but it's so difficult to get wide receiver or running back depth later on. And if you don't know, if you don't believe that, Go out and do your own mock drafts. Please go out and put the work in and do your mock drafts and just draft different ways. Draft a tight end early, draft a quarterback early, and then compare and contrast which type of builds that you like compared to others. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to win your league via the draft, but man, can you lose it. The idea of the draft is to build a foundation because at the end of the year, I can guarantee you your team should not look like your draft team. Uh, that you have drafted and really last year in our sleeper league that we had I, I looked at my roster at the end of the year and I had two players that I drafted left on my roster and I still won <laughs> that was it it does yep. not matter the idea is to, it's a weekly game win each week prepare yourselves for that um, so now it comes my pick here again obviously uh, team 12 went all running backs, similar to what your start is as well. The, the only two teams that went three running backs, which is not, four. Uh, yeah, not typical of what I usually see in mocks. Usually it's more teams drafting running backs early. But in a full point PPR, you might see a little bit of a deviation there uh, just because of the pass catching ability. So for me, what I'm looking for at this point, I'm going to be looking for my number one receiver. I'm going to be looking for the guy that I think has 
either the ability, the consistency that I'm looking for, or the upside that I'm looking for to be the number one. Uh, there is quite a bit of options here. You have both top receivers in Tampa Bay of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, you have both the Rams receivers. You still have both the Cowboys receivers. And that's typically what you're going to see in a 12-team league is some kind of combination of those three teams' receivers. Um, Fletch, I will go to you because I think I know who I'm going to pick. But of those six receivers that I mentioned, the Rams, the Cowboys, and the Buccaneers, uh, which one would you aim for in this point? And I guess for season long, uh, which pairing do you think will work or do best in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a great question. This is a really good spot in the draft, to be honest with you, for these kind of receivers. So I want to point out that as much as I hate to admit it, my boy Clark really got these first three picks really good because if you kind of if you look at it from here, this guy that he's going to pick at this receiver, he's going to get a top 15 finish most likely. In front of him, you have 12 receivers that have been taken off the board. So this is a potential, a very high-end RB, I mean, wide receiver too. But most likely, I think a couple of these guys, I really like to finish as high as a low-end or even a mid-tier RB1 or wide receiver one. Um, by the way, I love your Chris Carson pick. Um, for those at home, this is a guy that I think is uh, very underrated in fantasy football. I just want to point out the last three years in Seattle, he has not even played a full a full schedule and has finished 16th, 12th, and then he only played 12 games last year and still finished 19th. If he can play 15 games, you're going to get an RB1. I just want to point that out. Um, nonetheless, my pick here, I would go with a Cowboy receiver, and I believe it is preference. It is I believe whoever you think will be the number one in Dallas is who you should pick. I am 100% agreeance with you. I think both Rams receivers are very, very nice, but I think the Cowboys receivers, especially with a healthy deck, will have a much better season overall. The Buccaneers ones, the problem is the emergence of Antonio Brown yeah. in that offense. That's going to be the big problem there to really kind of limit their ceilings. They're going to have great weeks, but it's going to be – the Mike Evans week, and then it's going to be the Chris Godwin week, and then it's going to be the Antonio Brown week, and you just yep. don't know whose week it's going to be. I really don't love the weeks that Mike Evans saw last year where he caught two passes for two touchdowns and two yards. I mean, he salvaged the day, but ugh, just that's that's mind-numbing how that Can't happens. Rely on that. Yes, exactly. So I totally agree with you. It's going to be one of the Cowboys receivers. It really comes down to preference here. Um it really comes down to will Amari Cooper continue to be the number one guy, which I think he will be. He'll heavily be uh, targeted there. He'll basically continue to be the Robert Woods role, if you can say, uh, the highly targeted type of guy, the, the one you can rely on more often than not. Where CeeDee Lamb is probably going to have a little bit more of an upside, a little bit better ceiling overall that could finish in the top 10, maybe top 15 area. Um, and this is where I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble. Uh, and the reason I'm taking that gamble is simply because I picked Travis Kelsey at that one spot. If I didn't pick Travis Kelsey there, I would probably go something a little bit safer like Amari Cooper. But here, I'm going to go ahead and take C.D. Lamb as my number one receiver. Um, 
Again, simply just going for the upside. I have the week-to-week -week winner with Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. Um, if there was a really good running back, if David Montgomery had fallen to me, I would have only considered taking a third running back there and then just waited on receiver. Um, but since the next best running back wasn't really great, I can wait on them. I'll take go ahead and take C.D. Lamb. And then after me went Amari Cooper, then Chris Godwin, then Mike Evans, uh, all of which we just talked about. Uh, Kyle Pitts in the fourth, uh, I I don't understand that, but people will take that and just be thankful when they do because that's one less thing you have to worry about when it comes to your pick later on in the draft. And then went Lamar Jackson and then Daryl Henderson at the 4-9. Uh, Fletch, like we mentioned before, you started your team, Alvin Kamara, uh, Antonio Gibson, and then CEH or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, mm -hmm. What's your thought process with your fourth pick? Right now, you're uh, you're in a, you're in a good spot. Um, you kind of look at who's gone. Burnt at this point, you shouldn't be really concerned with anything that just happened in the third round. It's pretty pretty standard. What you maybe wanted to happen was give you a few more options at wide receiver to fall to you out of the out of the uh, the Cowboys or the Buccaneers situation. Um, however, we're in a good spot. So if you want to. Uh, Look at the board right now. We got Travis Etienne, who was off my board. Obviously, we're not picking a running back maybe for the next five, six rounds. So from here on out, we're trying to build our team. We need to know we need a wide receiver number one. Um, here, I understand that we're probably working with somebody that's going to finish top twenty. You're going to hope that they finish top fifteen and just be very, very consistent for you. I am happy that the Rams receivers have fallen to me. The, the what we've seen out of them with Jared Goff is this: Cooper Cup. Over the last, let's see, the last two seasons, he's we'll, we'll we'll go with the we'll go with three out of the last four. In 2018, he only played eight games. So 2017, uh, rookie year, finished 25th. 2019, uh, third year in the league, fully healthy again, fit 16 games, finished fifth overall. Last year, finished 26th overall. This is with Jared Goff. We're going to bring up Robert Woods really quick because these are the two guys that we're really looking at where Mark Andrews is very tempting because you want to get one of those top tier tight ends. But with the team as constructed, you need two to three receivers and we have none right now. So a little bit more value put on that. Robert Woods last three years with the Rams finished 11th, 2018, 14 in uh, 2019 and last year 13th. This is a top 15 guy. Not only that, that was with Jared Goff. No knock on Jared Goff. I hate that I'm doing this to him right now, Clark. But we have Matt Stafford now. We have no Cam Akers now. I think the Rams receivers will both eat. I, I don't know what the ceiling is on both of these guys, but we've seen Stafford have crazy passing gears where it's just yards upon yards upon yards, and he doesn't have his number one back. He has Tyler Higby as his tight end, who's decent, but it's not one of these top tier guys. I'm going to pick the best, the, the one who I think will finish the highest out of the two. Also, I'm going with the guy that I think has the highest floor, which is Robert Woods. Three straight top 15 finishes. I'm going to bank on this. He's probably going to finish top 10 this year with Matt Stafford. Yeah, very, very nice choice. And then soon after that went DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Kareem Hunt, and then Jamar Chase. Goes in the early fifth round. Back to mm -hmm. you. Uh, need another pick for this team that you're assembling of three running backs. Now you have Robert Woods, and who's yep. next? 
Yep, here uh, we're still looking at wide receiver. We got we got to fill this spot out. Um, you are happy if you have one of these guys fall back to you, except Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett was the guy that I would probably draft here. Outside of him, you're you're pretty good about what you have. I mean, you have Cooper Cup, who you probably won't get because you have Robert Woods, unless you're just you know, unless unless you had a moxie to do it. It's not me though. I I wouldn't. That's one thing I wouldn't do. And I think this is a, a a do or don't that you mentioned. Do not draft players on the same team or your favorite team or kind of the same same situation that you mentioned that at the beginning of the show today. So here I'm I'm it's almost a no-brainer it's process of elimination. It's a little too early for me to get a quarterback. I love Russell West, uh Russell Wilson, I'm sorry. Um I'm going to go ahead and go with Adam Thielen though. I think the floor is there again even with Justin Jefferson's emergence last year. He still finished 10th outside the year he was hurt the prior year before, finished top 10 uh with Stefan Diggs with him. So you got to think he's okay with playing alongside a number big time receiver. I have two guys at receiver, Clark, that I got in the fourth and fifth round that I think will finish top 10 this year. Hey, nothing wrong with that, especially when you start three running backs that way. It's very nice to have stability at the receiver position so you don't have to worry about jumping them in and out. You can worry about that with your deep uh, bench that you have at the running back position. Um, so I like where you're starting. Um, I might like it too much, but uh, I like it so far. Um, picks soon after that was Travis Etn going at the 5-4. Miles Gaskin, Deontay Johnson, Russell Wilson goes to Team 7, who finally decides not to go receiver. Uh, Cooper Cup, then Mark Andrews, and then back to me. And it would have been amazing to have Cooper Cup fall to me all the way back in the 5th, but that didn't quite happen. So now when I'm looking at my team here, uh, again, still not worried about quarterback. Um, there's only really going to be one quarterback that goes off the board between my pick right now and my next pick. And this is very important as you're drafting, especially if you haven't drafted a ton before. Keep an eye out on what everybody else's team has already drafted. If you're drafting with some very capable managers, they're not going to draft two quarterbacks back to back from round from one round to the next. So that what that tells you is that right now in my fifth round pick, I don't have to go quarterback if I really don't want to, especially if I have multiple quarterbacks that I really, really like, knowing that worst case scenario, only one of them goes off the board before my next pick. It's the same thing when you're looking at other positions. If there's a team just like Team 12, they're likely not going to draft another running back before my next pick. So if there are a couple running backs that maybe I can wait on, play the ADP game a little bit, uh, you can do that. But that's, again, paying attention to what everybody else is doing as well, paying attention to the runs. We haven't really had any too many runs. We've had a couple of receiver, uh, two, four straight receiver runs, and that's about it besides the opening running backs that are always going to happen there. Um, so for this pick, again, I've got Travis Kelsey, I've got Najee Harris, I've got Chris Carson, and I've got CeeDee Lamb. I could go a third running back and really beef up my running back spots there, um, or I could go receiver and have my number two receiver here. Um, looking at what the board is, I'm going to go ahead and take it to flex. Um, we've got Kenny Galladay, which I'm not high on. I understand he's the number one. They paid him a lot of money to go there. The problem is the offense isn't great and the quarterback's not great either. So I'm probably going to be on his, that's going to, he's going to be a receiver on my list of do not draft. Um, 
James Robinson is also on that list of do not draft, at least for the running back position. I think ETN is going to be much more focused in that offense. Robinson will be fine, but I want him drafted as my fourth or fifth running back so I don't have to rely on him week-to-week production. And if he doesn't pan out, my draft capital isn't as bad as others. Um, So here... It's interesting because we have Michael Thomas, but again, he could be out for the first six weeks of the season. Uh, I don't want him as my number two receiver. I'm rather, much rather wait for him later on. For my number two receiver, I'm going to go ahead and go Brandon Ayuk. I think he's going to have a very good year in San Francisco as long as he can stay healthy. We always know that Debo Samuel has a little bit of a stretch here and there that does end up uh, having putting him on the IR. So I like that pick late there. After me went TJ Hawkinson, uh, Dak Prescott, if I can remember his name, uh, James Robinson, and then Chase Edmonds. A little bit soon on the Chase Edmonds, I would say. Uh, Definitely a player that I was typically targeting in most of my drafts, so I'm kind of surprised he went that early. But Team 11, thank you for ruining this mock for me. Um, So now uh, I'm definitely going to be looking at either the running back or the receiver position yet again. Uh, Like I said, there was only one quarterback that went off the board. I can wait for a quarterback in the seventh round. The value is there. Um, Man, this is tough because Chase Edmonds was going to be the pick. I just want to mention I just want to mention Sleeper has absolutely robbed you. Team 12 would never draft James Robinson in this situation, folks. That would just, no. that would not happen. What would probably happen is either a Kenny Galladay or an Odell Beckham Jr. Um, so I just want to first and foremost make that clear to let you know that you were robbed here by the Sleeper app. Um, yeah, that's tough, bro. Now, one thing that you did mention that I really like about this turn and this is what should have happened, mind you. Your team 11 was definitely going to go running back or tight end because you see they had no running backs or tight ends. I think they did very well. And with the TJ Hawkinson thinking that maybe team 12 would grab him and that you can get another running back on the turn because there's no way they draft a running back. Um, team 12 went Dak Prescott, which I'm not mad with because you could pair him with a wide receiver here like Kenny Galladay or Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Devontae Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster's right here as well. I honestly really like what Team 11 did. I know you mentioned Chase Edmonds was a bit of a reach. I like Chad Edmonds actually a little bit better than James Robinson, who was drafted in front of him. Agreed. And again, it would have been my pick for Chase Edmonds, but he did yeah. not fall to me. I went ahead and took Mike Davis. Um, Mike it's, it's okay pick. I'm not in love with it um, simply because I just need another running back just in case Najee Harris takes a little bit of time to get going. I really want to have a secondary running back that I can rely on early on in case Najee takes a few weeks. Hopefully it doesn't take that long, but he is a rookie running back. Uh, and, and then after me, it went Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers in the early mid six. That's an interesting spot for him. Uh, Javante Williams, rookie running back for Denver goes next. Odo Beckham, Noah Fant, and then DJ Chark at the 6-9. Fletch, your team as of right now, uh, you have Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Robert Woods, and Adam Thielen. Who's next? Well, one thing I want to go back on is let's go ahead and fill out the rest of our do not draft list of the players that have gone real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned one earlier was Kyle Pitts. I think that's far too early 
which basically puts him on my do not draft list because you will have someone in your league that will reach and grab him before round six. I guarantee it. The the talk is there. So don't be surprised if you see Kyle Pitts go early, but he should be on your do not draft list because he's just going to go too early for you to get him. Now, if we're talking round six, round seven, I think that's when you want to go ahead and grab him personally if you're going to grab him. If that's your guy and you feel that high on him, if you can get him in six, get him. Um, possibly seven, get him. But four is too early. Um, who, who who in the fifth or the yeah the fifth round, Clark? Would you put on your do not draft list if anyone? Uh, within the fifth round that got drafted there, um, really the one that kind of sticks out a little bit um, is really I think Miles Gaskin would be the one. Now, I, I loved him in the last year. He was getting a lot of touches. Uh, the problem is there's a new offensive coordinator that came in this year. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa should be able to take a next step forward. Um, they've added to that receiver pool a little bit. So even though he'll still be utilized, and the other big problem I guess I'll mention quickly is that Malcolm Brown was signed to the team as well. They went out and got him and added him to the team. So all that being said, he's still going to be the starter. I still like his talent. The problem is he has to get volume in order for you to really see a high return on investment. And the fifth round, if you get him towards the end of the fifth round, I'm totally fine with that. Early fifth round, mid-fifth round, probably not great, um, especially if that is your number two running back. If it's your number three, you could probably get away with it. But as for the number two, if he doesn't get the uh, carries that he needs to actually have value, you're probably not going to be happy with where you draft him in the early fifth. But again, that's depending on how you draft your team early on. If you have somebody like a CMC and you drafted him uh, instead of a Kareem Hunt and you drafted Miles Gaskin there, that's fine. You've got run CMC that basically counts as two running backs anyway. But overall, that would be the one name that just really sticks out as I would rather wait on rather than try and jump uh, and try and get. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you there. I I do like him. I don't know if he's on my do not draft list, but I am a little skeptical of him as well because those indices and finishes are always tough. And he was in a like a one off situation where you had a starting quarterback and then a relief quarterback. So I think just naturally that means you're going to rely on a run game a bit more. Whereas this year you're just going with the tr- traditional you know number one quarterback all year. There's no Tua and Fitz Magic happening. So you know, you get you. We're rolling with Gaskin and and, and Tua in your backfield, so I think you'll get some production out of him. I like him, but I can see where you're going with that. I wouldn't put him on my do not draft, but for those at home, keep in mind the things that he did just mention, though, what his reasoning behind that, because I think that was valid. Um, outside of that, man, my last do not draft before I go ahead and select my pick would be uh, Robinson out of Jacksonville. Great year last year. I think he finished, I mean, let's just double check so we're not lying to the folks at home here. I want to say he finished top 10. Yeah, seventh overall last year in standard and PPR leagues. Um, One thing that Urban Meyer has mentioned, he'll be kind of doing a running back by committee thing. And you have Travis Etienne, who he drafted in the second round uh, to go with his uh, running mate from Clemson, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, you also have Carlos Hyde in there, who's an ex-Buckeye. Um, I don't believe that Urban coached him, but the ties are there. So, I mean, 
I'm not so if I had to pick any back out of Jacksonville, it obviously would be ETN. James Robinson, I wouldn't pick this early. I would probably pick him a little later if he's there. And if I had no choice, probably as a flex or a sec or a uh, a bench player. But that's just me. Um moving on. Clark, I think my team is really nice, man. <laughs> I just want I just want to pause and just just mention that. I think my team is really nice. I got I got one back that's going to finish top five, guaranteed, at worst. If healthy, obviously. I got another back who I feel like should finish top 10 based on volume and what he was able to do last year. Right now, he's 13th. I'm, I'm good with that. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I have actually ranked right behind Antonio Gibson in front of Dobbins and Swift. I'm ecstatic that, they fell, that he fell to me. Robert Woods, I'm good with because I was probably going uh, him or C.D. Lamb. Anyways, you kind of reached for C.D. Lamb, who I am perfectly okay with reaching for. Um, great pick, great pick. And then Adam Thielen, who I think is the model of consistency here in Minnesota. So what I can do here is, I mean, if you kind of look at the what, what's left, and this is probably what is going to be available to you guys at home, it's just a ton of receivers. Um, you got a couple running backs in here with Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Raheem Mostert um, here that you can choose from. But, I mean, we can get those guys on the turn at the beginning of the seventh round because we only have to wait four picks between us. Um, so, I mean, here I feel like you would go with, you know, one of the top receivers out of this pool here. Um, I'll be honest, Pittsburgh scares me. And the reason why is because they have three receivers. And now they have Najee Harris. And you have Big Ben who's clearly declined pretty quickly he threw a lot of passes last year so it supported all these guys i don't know how much you can bank on that this year with Najee harris in the fold now and they're going to be running the ball much more than they did with james connor so i'm staying away from pittsburgh's receivers this year also this kind of goes into my uh do's and don'ts here clark is uh be aware of the bye week um not something that bothers me most years but I will say this year, and I kind of I have a the, the list of teams here, Clark. Have you noticed Week Seven at all? Week Seven is a is a bad bad week. I'm deeming Week Seven as hell week in fantasy football. Reason being, and this is something you want to pay attention to. It's going to be the I don't even know where I start. I guess we'll start with Pittsburgh. You have Pittsburgh, who has four players that will probably get drafted in the top seven rounds all have bye weeks. You have the Dallas Cowboys. You have three players that are dead in our mock got drafted by no later than round. Actually, four pick pick four in the fourth round. Three Cowboys went, all have the same bye week. Minnesota, you have um, Dalvin Cook, who went number one in our draft, probably number two in most drafts, uh, along with Justin Jefferson in the second round, and Adam Thielen, who's on my team in the fifth round, um, all have the same bye week. Um, the, if I'm not mistaken, the Chargers, you have Eckler and who am I missing? Keenan Allen, also the same bye week. Justin Herbert, who was picked in the sixth round before, right after uh, Clark here. Um, yeah, as you can see, week seven is tough. I haven't even mentioned Jacksonville is another team as well to bring up. They have quite a few players that are going to start popping up on our board. Now you see ETN, you see James Robinson, I believe DJ Chark. Just got to pick, yep, and you probably have LaVishka Sonol in the next tier of players down if he – no, he didn't get picked yet. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to pause right here, Clark, and, and kind of mention that you have a lot of uh, 
a lot of bye weeks kind of popping up when you hear. Oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot one. Buffalo. Yeah, it's so, just Buffalo. Just add to the party. You got the number two quarterback on our board going. You got the number four receiver on our board here. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the running backs that they have that are going to be in your later rounds. Uh, Cole Beasley, somebody that at least mentioned in your later rounds. So, yeah, um, tough, tough, tough sledding in week seven. So be careful. Nonetheless, my pick here, because of my little rant, you guys know I'm probably not going to Pittsburgh. I'm staying away from Kenny Galladay for the same reason Clark is. Um, Mike Thomas, again, way too early to not see him for a few games, and I need this guy to possibly be in my flex fairly often. I am going to go with who I think will have a great year in Devontae Smith. Nothing wrong with that. Definitely a rookie receiver out of there, out of Philadelphia. Um Definitely, if they can get things going, he can be very, very good for that team. We saw what he did in college football and just decimate anybody that came around his area. Um, quickly after that pick, it went. Finally, Michael Thomas goes off the board. T. Higgins, Tom Brady at the 7-1, and then Juju Smith-Schuster at the 7-2. 7-3, who you got? Yes, sir. Really quick mention, too. T. Higgins, somebody to look out for as well. Um, I heard he's doing really good in camp. He was my other option. Here, I have three running backs. I have three receivers. So, essentially, I feel like I'm pretty solid. Um, I kind of, again, I'm double-checking my bye weeks this year just to make sure I'm not loading up on week seven because in a lot of mocks previously I've done, um, I've loaded up on week seven accidentally. So, I'm pretty balanced here. As you see, I have uh, nobody overlapping bye weeks. I got a lot of guys that I think have some high value. Devontae Smith would probably be somewhat of a risky pick, but the volume should be there with him being a number one in Philly and along with his route running that we saw in college. So here I'm probably just seeing what's available. Um, and we talked about this off air a little bit, Clark. You want to pay to play the ADP game a little bit um, just because you can kind of see who's coming up next. You don't want to take any unnecessary chances, but you do want to make sure you're kind of solidifying some spots. Um this is about the round that I start looking for a quarterback. I probably would have picked Tom Brady here, to be honest with you, if he had fallen to me. Um, locks me in a top 12 quarterback for the season. He's not going to run the ball. That's really what you want this year if you're going to go, you know, any higher than this round for a quarterback. But you're, uh, that's a guy that I would have been really happy with here. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that I think has a lot of upside. I think it will give me a bit of trade bait as well, just in case – you know, it comes down to that. I don't feel the need to really grab any more receivers because I understand the value of running backs as well. So I am going to, like I mentioned, I'll probably go about three or four rounds without picking a running back. I'm going to go ahead and grab Raheem Mostert here. Reason being is, one, his speed. Two, I know San Francisco trusts him. And I see some teams here that struggle like Clark said, you got to look around. You got to see what's going on around you. Who, do, What teams need a number one or number two running back right now? And those are the ones that I'm going to target and possibly bring in some good talent. Um, so I don't know if I would start Raheem Mostert at any point unless I had a bye week um, and it just worked out where the defense wasn't great and everything. But, um, yeah, that's my pick. Very, very nice. And after the board, <clears throat> after your pick on the board, Chase Claypool, then Kenny Galladay finally at the 7-5. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, 
Michael Carter, rookie out of the Jets, and then Cortland Sutton falls to the 7-9. Uh, a run of nice Denver Broncos running back or players there. So it comes be uh, comes back to my pick. Uh, as my team sits right now, I've got uh, Najee Harris, Chris Carson, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Travis Kelsey, and Mike Davis. Um, this one's pretty easy for me. It, there would have been a just looking for a high-end receiver at this point. Again, I already know teams 11 and 12 already have a quarterback, so they're not going to draft a quarterback yet again, uh, at least for another pick, so I don't have to pick them right now. Um, so for me, it's simple. It's going to be Robbie Anderson. Uh, I'm going to take him here. I really like the ability of having him back with Sam Darnold as his quarterback. Um, we're going to see exactly what that pans out to. Now, obviously, some of that production might go down with a fully healthy and a full uh, season for CMC. But overall, I really, really like that connection. After me went Leonard Fournette, Jarvis Landry, Ronald Jones, and then Jalen Waddle out of Miami. So it comes back to me again. Uh, I'm looking at the board. Um, I really want to try and aim for a decent running back because I know the cliff for running backs are going to fall off, which technically they already have. Um, but I'm also <laughs> looking for quarterbacks as well. The big question is, do I think one of those quarterbacks is going to fall back to me at the 9-10? I think they will. Based on all the other picks so far, I think I can wait on quarterback one more round. That being said, I'm going to counter your last pick, and I'm going to draft Trey Sermon in the eighth round. Or Yeah, in the eighth round, again, if something happens to Mossert, obviously everything happens to San Francisco, no matter what position you are. Uh, he's going to get touches, even just being the number two running back there. Um, and again, having him be my fourth running back off the board, I don't have to rely on him for points. So if he pans out, great. If he doesn't, eh, I move on. It's not that big a deal. Um, after me went LaVishka Chenault, then Will Fuller, then Mike Kaziki, Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, and then Dallas Goddard at the 8-9. The pick is to you, Fletch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, just a quick recap. Not any major um, news out of those last couple of rounds. The one thing I do want to mention, Melvin Gordon is also on my do not draft list. Um, I think Javante Williams has a stranglehold on that position. Not so much because of what we heard out of camp, just because you don't pick a running back that early. And you lost another running back who put up a thousand yards for you um, in prior seasons. So um, just be looking for that. Um, outside of that, I liked everything else. Trey Sermon, who I like, I still think Mostert's the number one there, but I do like the counter because of the injury threat. So uh, fair pick, fair pick. So you had mentioned kind of quarterbacks, and this is where you really started to eyeball quarterbacks. I mentioned it last round. I would have probably gone Tom Brady. Had he not got drafted there at the 7-1 spot. Um, I know I have some some good quarterbacks here at the turn. So kind of lining up for me. Um, I'm 8-10. I have these four picks between me with teams one and two. Um, the quarterbacks on the board right now are Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, and Jalen Hurts. Um, one more thing I, I have on my do and don't list is be aware of the sophomore slump. Not so much a don't draft players in the sophomore slump if you feel very good about them, like I do with Antonio Gibson or CEH at the running back spot. That's one thing, but something just to keep out for, keep an, keep an eye out for with the passing game, meaning quarterbacks and receivers and tight ends, um, mainly quarterbacks and receivers, is going to be that sophomore slump. We've seen it before. Um, I even mentioned a few guys that have had it before that were 
the guys that I mentioned have had sophomore slumps before, um, like Robert Woods. I kind of checked back on a little bit. So you got you got some things that you kind of want to keep an eye out on. Running back, you're fine. We have four, three consistent starters for you. So Kean, Drake, and James Conner don't, you know, do anything for me here. Um you also need a tight end. You see Gronk's there and you think he could possibly fall to you. This is the situation where I play process of elimination. I need a tight end. I need a quarterback. I don't need any more wide receivers or running backs technically. I could go wide receiver, but who's the best wide receiver here? Tyler Boyd and Antonio Brown. I'm fine with not getting those guys if I if I can help it. Um, I'm going to go with Gronkowski here for the simple fact there's four quarterbacks to pick from, and only one team after me is going to pick one of these four. So there will be three remaining. And with tight end, he does not have one. You don't want to risk him drafting yours. Like the pick. Um, after your pick went James Conner, Kenyon Drake, Damian Harris, and then Joe Burrow at the 9-2. Uh, it is your pick yet again. Did that quarterback stay on the board for you? That quarterback did stay on the board for me. Um Key thing to mention at this spot is if you picked a tight end instead of a running back at any point in time at this draft spot at number three, you may want to look at Damian Harris, who was drafted at 9-1 if you need another running back. Just want to throw that out there. Um, and I think this is where the the second cliff is, Clark. If yeah, Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, you're, you're starting to get into a lot of injury questions, a lot of volume questions. Uh, Damian Harris is even really a volume question himself just because it's a Bill Belichick offense. You just never know which running back is going to get the touches uh, week to week. Ramondre Stevenson had himself a monster week or preseason one game, 10 carries yep. for 127 and two. So it's hard to say, but I, I would say out of all of them, just like you, I would, I would be leaning towards Damian Harris over the rest or the best of the rest. If you can call it that. Yeah. After Damian Harris, I really feel like there's nobody of, at least decent value. Some of these guys I even mentioned as far as a do not draft, like a like a Gordon or like you did with the Michael, Michael uh, a Gaskin. I mean, at least these guys you know are going to be involved in the offense. Whereas you're not sure how much David Robinson is going to be involved in the offense any longer. You're not sure, you know, Zach Moss and that whole situation. So um, you're happy with what you did so far. I know I am with four running backs that I feel like I can rely on. Three, fourth, possibly being someone else as well. Receivers, you have three of those. We talked about Gronk. So, which quarterback? When I was, was I was, what I was targeting here is going to be Matt Stafford. Um, I like the upside with Trevor Lawrence, but it's the unknown for me. Um, I like the upside with Jalen Hurts, but again, somewhat of a sophomore slump. And the, the Eagles just don't want to claim him as their number one quarterback for whatever reason. Um, Matt Stafford, to me, is oh. one of those fringe oh. guys. Oh. And the oh. quarterback run is on. Oh. Oh, the quarterback hurts. run is on. And oh, this is this oh. is why you have to start targeting quarterbacks a little bit earlier than you would like to, Clark, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Mm. The run is on. That, I told everybody round hurt. seven. Oh my looks, goodness. Start looking round seven. And here we are at the end of round nine, and you see what has happened. Uh, I think my soul just jumped out of my body when I saw that happen. Uh, after your <laughs> pick with tough, Stafford, man. which I really, really like, obviously you compare him with Robert Woods, so I really like that stack. Next went Ryan Tannehill, then Trevor Lawrence, then Jalen Hurts, and then Duke Johnson, or 
David Johnson. Wrong. David David. Johnson. Yeah, David <laughs> Johnson, then A.J. Dillon, and then Robert Tunyon before my pick. And as you could probably see on YouTube or if you're listening to us on the various podcast uh, options, uh, my moaning and groaning was the fact that five straight quarterbacks went off the board in round nine. Uh, the quarterback that I was hoping would land there did not, unfortunately. Usually in this spot, it's either going to be a Stafford or a Tannehill. You can take a look at Jalen Hurts. The only uh, He's got the upside of the running ability. Um, oh, yeah. Obviously, the offense you just don't love. And then after Jalen Hurts, uh, that is the QB cliff for me. Then you start getting down into names that there's going to be some safer options later, which I'm going to have to take one of them. But uh, you're going to have to – you're forced to draft yet another one almost pretty quickly afterwards just to make sure that you have a viable quarterback week in and week out. So just as he stated, it's a little bit late. Maybe you should have gotten him a little bit sooner. Uh, hey, folks can, at home. Hopefully <laughs> I can at, make it up. Folks at home, Clark is the only team with no quarterback, and you have two teams with two quarterbacks. Don't be this guy. It was about to work out until that quarterback run happened. But what it I was. am happy with is it makes my decision a little bit easier. Um, obviously, there is a great receiver here. I could go Tyler Boyd route. I have played that game a couple times. The only concern is uh, he is a hit and miss most weeks. There is weeks that he is great. There is weeks that he just kind of disappears in that offense. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go upside. I'm going to take Antonio Brown here at this pick. Uh, if he's going to have another good year with Tom Brady, finally get into that system, be fully healthy, I will take the upside there uh, in case I need a little bit more points out of that position just because now I'm going to have to go one of these quarterbacks that I really don't want to go to. Um, after me went Tyler Boyd and Logan Thomas, uh, Corey Davis, and then Zach Moss, which is an interesting name to keep an eye on. The problem is he just got a hamstring in camp. Um that's a problem if he wants to stay healthy. He's never really been able to stay healthy. Um, but he's definitely a name to keep an eye on if he can get healthy at any point in the season because I think he'll be the lead back there in Buffalo. Uh, he just has to stay healthy. So now I've got to take a huge flyer on a quarterback here. Oh, this is ugly. This is very, very bad. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to... Ugh. This is this is gross. Um, yeah, it's pretty tough. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take uh, Baker Mayfield here. It, I'm not happy with it. There's nothing about it that I'm happy with that pick. Um, but at this point in the game, when you wait just a little bit too long, this is what you got to choose from. But again, if you yep. drafted well enough in your other positions, there might be a possibility that either number one, a a quarterback off of waivers explodes or B you could potentially trade for one a little bit later on in the season, especially if someone like a Joe Burrow takes a little bit of time to get going from his knee injury or Trevor Lawrence takes a little bit of time and somebody's not happy with him. You might be able to luck out a little bit later on, but as for right now, I will start with Mayfield after my pick. It went Marquise Hollywood Brown in the 10th, uh, Michael Pittman. Then it went Irv Smith, Tyler Higby. Uh, Devin Singletary, and then Rashad Bateman out of Baltimore, who's got a little bit of an injury there. Uh, Fletch, who you got next? Yes, sir. Um, so moving on, uh, we'll see what we got at the top of the board. We're solidified at all of our starting spots. 
So here, and this is essentially when, if I'm drafting, and we'll throw this in there, we're not doing defense and kickers, but I'm at least looking at a defense. I don't think I draft one here. Um, in most of your leagues, at this point, I guarantee you there will be at least one defense off the board here. Um, this will be your guy that's picking his favorite team if their team has a good defense, or this will be somebody who just has a lot of stock in a team, maybe like the Red, excuse me, the Washington football team, uh, who can produce a lot of sacks for you. Uh, you may be looking at the Colts as well as somewhat of a sleeper who I think you should not reach for, um, but a good quality defense. Um, you might see the Steelers as well, who I know is for some reason in my draft went eighth round. Um, which is very interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, so just keep that in mind. You may not want to pick a defense here, but you at least want to start looking if you have your whole team filled out with a couple of bench options included. Um, here, what I would seriously be considering is another wide receiver. Um, you're also looking at a couple of running backs. Um, you might want to start looking at some guys with a little bit of handcuff, handcuff uh, for your team or third options on teams that are that are pretty decent um there is a there is one guy that i'm really really looking at here and i think there's another guy on the turn that i will bring up that i'm really high on is going to be we're gonna we're gonna go with uh with michael gallup here Nothing wrong with that, especially he'll still be utilized in that offense. Uh, he might okay. get some more looks in case Amari Cooper's not fully healthy or if there is an issue with C.D. Lamb, something along those lines. But he'll definitely still have some options, especially this later on. It's not going to hurt. Draft capital really isn't that much. Um, right. Next went Hunter Henry, then Deshaun Watson went in the 10th, Curtis Samuel, and then Elijah Moore, rookie out of New York, going at the 11-2. Uh, was that player that you were looking for still there? Uh, yeah, there's there's a uh, yeah, my guy's still there. My guy's still there, and and I think at this point, I wouldn't say nothing. Any nothing is a reach, but you do again still want to play at least the ADP game and scroll down a bit on your draft boards, your available draft boards, and just see who's available on the turn back to you or about that area. Um, if you're using sleeper, sleeper does a great job of kind of projecting who will be around you at that next pick. Um, if you're all uh, one thing to mention too, if you're playing on ESPN. Um, I believe they've done us the justice of zeroing out Deshaun Watson being a big unknown here. Um, the talks out of uh, Houston right now are that the case may not actually happen until 2022. Therefore, a suspension may not happen until 2022. The problem right now is really just he that he wanted to be traded. We talked about it in previous podcasts that he wanted to uh, that the um, Texans were willing to trade him. And then all of a sudden, recently, they stopped answering phone calls. So I'm not sure about him right now. He is fourth on the depth chart. And if I'm not mistaken, the starter is projected to be Tyrod Taylor. Is that right? Correct. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So just somebody to keep in mind as well. Not a big numbers guy, but if you have drafted any of the players from Houston before uh, we've gotten to this point, then, you know, at least that's somebody, something to consider. Um, one thing that I will bring up since we're on that topic, Clark, not to go too much off topic, but I do believe Brandon Cook still has a high floor. Um, he is a sneaky good fantasy player for the simple fact is if we can find him here, he got picked in the eighth round. 
no matter who's throwing him the ball, when he plays 16 games, he's finished at worst 16th since 2015, mind you. It's true, but those quarterbacks were Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. and... Jared Goff, and then Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, he's had four different quarterbacks over those five years. So he's had some good QBs, but at the same time, they've been pretty inconsistent. So that's just somebody to at least look out for, since we're talking about Houston really quick. Um, I don't know where else you throw the ball in Houston either, so that's part of the reason for it. It's going to be sheer volume. (laughs) Bit of a dumpster fire in Houston right now. Nonetheless, we'll go ahead with the guy on the turn that I was looking for, and I think this guy has a ton of upside. Um, I think this is a guy that, if you if you done your research, you kind of heard a few things out of camp. Um, there's actually two guys I want to mention here. One is going to be Daryl Mooney. If you heard if you've heard some things out of camp, he's showing up to be really good. Probably going to be a number two behind Allen Robinson there. And if Justin Fields could take over, you think the volume probably will go up a little bit more from Andy Dalton. Um, but my guy here that I'm going with, and I'm very big on him this year, Clark is going to be McCole Hartman. You had to say the name of a player that might get picked by the draft, which it did. I'm going to blame it on you. You had to say his name. I understand. You're, you're in cahoots with the mock right now. Uh, great pick with Hardman. Again, if the volume can switch towards him a little bit, and he's got the upside of just exploding this offense, there can be weeks that he can help you win those weeks. So I really like that pick late. Uh, just as you mentioned, Darnell Mooney went next, Naeem Hines, then Henry Ruggs, then Justin Fields went off the board in the 11th, Mike Williams also, and then Gus the Bus Edwards uh, at the 11-9. Here, again, I'm also still looking for quarterbacks. I, I need another backup quarterback to Baker, um, but I'm also interested in potentially getting another running back again with uh, – a young group of Trey Sermon and Najee Harris. It wouldn't hurt to have yet another running back there. The problem is this late in the game, you're looking at handcuffs. You're looking at guys that may or may not get production. It's kind of hard to say what will happen. I think I can get the one player, the one running back that I like in my next pick. So for here, I'm going to go quarterback. Uh, I'm going to assume that they're going to continue to throw the ball, even though they have another offensive coordinator there in Atlanta. I'm going to take Matt Ryan. Uh, He's going to be my second guy off the board. I can play him inside and out, depending on the week. Um, Up next went, uh, oh, I can't forget his name, Tony Pollard. Uh, Then Trey Lance, then Devontae Parker, and then Jonu Smith in the 12th. And yes, the running back did fall to me. I'm going to go ahead and take, it's not a wonderful pick, but it is a pick that might solidify my roster at the end. I'm going to take Philip Lindsay out of uh, Houston. I really, really like uh, that opportunity there, especially with David Johnson getting a little bit older. Um, after that went Kirk Cousins, Evan Ingram, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Nelson Aguilar, Adam Troutman, and then Marvin Jones went right before your last two picks. Uh, what are your picks? Yes, sir. So we got the last two picks in the draft here. Um, just to kind of recap the team before we get to these points, we have Kamara, Gibson, uh, Edwards, Hilaire at your running backs. Uh, then the receivers, we have Woods, Robert Woods, Adam Thielen, and Devontae Smith. Um, follow that up by getting some more depth at running back with Raheem Mostert out of San Francisco. Grabbed our tight end with Robert Gronkowski. Quarterback Matthew Stafford to go ahead and, like you mentioned earlier, stack with Robert Woods. 
picked up a Dallas receiver and Michael Gallup. We're hoping that offense is explosive, just like the next pick with McCole Harmon in Kansas City. Hopefully he could take over that Sammy Watkins role now that he's in Baltimore. With this pick here, I am staying away from receiver. I have five of them that I feel very good about. Three for sure. Two others that I feel like have big upside. Uh, barring injury could also explode. Um, not saying you want players to get hurt, but you do at least want to prepare for the worst. And this kind of mentions uh, my last point on the draft, do and don't. Please do your research. Understand players have a shelf life. Um, you have to make sure you got to follow, follow, follow pages on Twitter. Um, follow or pay attention to fantasy pros. I know we've mentioned that off air, Clark. Um, the uh, Matthew Berry's fantasy football uh, stuff on ESPN, uh, fantasy footballers podcast, our podcast, anything that you can get your hands on and at least feed you some news. Um, I would definitely at least, you know, do so. NFL news, uh, NFL app, Bleacher Report app, ESPN app, get your injuries updates there. And there's other apps out there. So just uh, want to kind of throw that out there as something that is a definite do on my do's and don'ts list is do your research. Don't slack, especially if you're spending money in the, on, on your league. Uh, you want to make sure you're up to par, which uh, I want to commend you on your Philip Lindsay pick, by the way. Uh, that means you've done your research. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great pick. For those at home, just to mention how good of a pick that is, David Johnson has been mentioned that he'll probably be more of a third down back in Houston recently. Philip Lindsay had two 1,000-yard seasons his first two years in Denver until they brought in Melvin Gordon. He's quick. He's young still, has and uh, has lo no little to no wear and tear, especially compared to David Johnson. Um, if if things go well, at least in the running game there, or at least the volume is there, Philip Lindsay is a sneaky good pick this late. Um, so I just want to mention he's one of the guys that are kind of a sleeper for me. Um, here at the 12th pick, Clark, you mentioned it. You kind of want to start looking at handcuffs or just guys that are in backup roles that are going to produce pretty uh, consistently. And there's two guys here that I'm going to pick from. Uh, number one is going to be Jamal Williams, um, who I think has a had a decent role in Green Bay at weeks when Aaron Jones was healthy. He was still a flex level player. The weeks that Aaron Jones were that, that he missed, he was in RB2. Uh, so there's something to mention there with DeAndre Swift uh, being the lead guy in Detroit. Uh, the other one would be J.D. McKissick. Um, J.D. McKissick, it would handcuff my Antonio Gibson. J.D. McKissick is also used pretty much in the past game. But one thing, if, again, if you do your research, Antonio Gibson is a converted receiver to running back player. And last year was actually his first, I believe his first year at running back. I know he's a rookie, but I mean first year in general, if I'm not mistaken, Clark. Yeah, he, he was a receiver uh, at Memphis, so... Yeah. his first full year as an actual running back. So there you go. A lot less wear and tear. He's going to be involved in the passing game. So what does that leave for J.D. McKissick? Probably not a lot. You want, you still want guys that are of value because these guys late can help you out, possibly give you some trade bait. We're going to go Jamal Williams. I like the situation in Detroit for him because you have an unproven number one guy. Uh, we'll see how this year goes for him because I know if things falter for him over the first half of the season, Jamal Williams is a proven pro in this league and probably give him some uh, stability. Um, here at the turn, I was somewhat hoping McKissick fell to me so I can use my last pick as a handcuff. But at this point, last pick in the draft, and I don't want to say you can play around a little bit with it, but you want to either play around a little bit with it, hope for a boom or bust, or one of those stash guys that you're just kind of using for assurance and there's one guy that i've been really eyeballing at the end of the draft and i don't mind giving this secret out 
Um, I'm glad I got him in one league, so no sweat. We're going to scroll down a little bit. We're going to go to the running backs. We're going to go with rookie out of Oklahoma State, Chubba Bubba Hubbard. Chubba Re- Bubba Hubbard. Hey, very nice pick. In between your picks went Alexander Madison, J.D. McKissick, uh, Russell Gage out of Atlanta, and then Kenneth Gainwell. And then after yours went Cole Beasley, Latavius Murray, Devin Booker, Tevin Coleman, Tua Tungavailoa, and Rondell Moore out of Arizona. Uh, this late in the draft, again, much like you mentioned, we're looking at players that may or may not have some upside, very low draft capital. So if you miss out on them, it's not the end of the world, uh, but it's definitely you're looking for players and talents that could potentially be not maybe not the number one on their teams, uh, but could be a very high end wide receiver twos, running back twos, something like that. And. The, there's a lot of questions, obviously, with the Saints, who's going to be their number one receiver there. So you could be looking at Traquan Smith. You could be looking at Marquez Callaway. Um, another name to keep out there, Cole Beasley, obviously, was just drafted. Uh, but I like his counterpart there. I know he's a little bit down on the de- depth chart, but he is the big play guy there in Buffalo. And that's Gabriel Davis, who I'm going to draft there. Again, I'm really happy with the receivers that I have. But it wouldn't hurt to grab somebody just a little bit later uh, and see if it pans out. So here is the final draft board. Uh, We have it nice and big on our channel. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, it's nice and colorized. And again, if you've never used Sleeper before, they colorize every single one of the positions so you know exactly what the runs look like, what teams are drafting, uh, keep you well informed throughout. Uh, For the final teams, Fletch, what is your final team? Yes, sir. I have at quarterback Matt Stafford is my starter. Alvin Kamara and uh, from the Rams, first year there. We got Alvin Kamara and Antonio Gibson as our backs. We're really re- going to rely on them heavily to kind of carry us every week. Um, we have Robert Woods and Adam Thielen at our number one and two receiver slots, who, again, I'm really high on both traditionally finished top 15. And um, at, at tight end, you got a pretty consistent one with Robert Gronkowski. Um, not the best, but you got to think if you at least what you got out of him last year, he's a top 10 finish at seven touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, that's just one touchdown every other game. Pretty consistent. Uh, hopefully the yards and the catches will be there for you to kind of keep them afloat every week. Um, at your flex position, we're going to roll with uh, CEH on most weeks. Um, really good Really good running back. Most teams, this will be their best or second best running back. So as our third best, we're really happy we got him in our slot, especially since we end up getting some quality receivers off the board. And then uh, on our bench there, we got Devontae Smith, who is an option at flex um, as well this season. This season possibly has an upside of an RB or a wide receiver too. Then uh, moving on, we got Raheem Mostert, um, the traditional starter in San Francisco, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, and keep Trey Sermon a little bit at bay. Michael Gallup, the third receiver in Dallas, uh, who you would expect has a little bit of upside, possible flex play on uh, good matchups or bye weeps. McCole Hardman, this is a good one here I really like because he uh, can possibly start um, quite a few games for you. Just just after maybe the first couple of weeks and see how they use him, maybe see if, if preseason will give you any indication. It looks like um the last preseason game for kansas city saturday night they only played um um they only played one one quarter or excuse me one drive with mahomes 
So you don't really get to see too much yet, but maybe during week two or three, if your draft is after week two or three in preseason, you can get a better gauge on McCole Hardman. And then Jonathan Williams, backup running back out of Detroit uh, from Green Bay, and then Chubba Hubbard uh, to finish up. Very, very nice. And for my team, uh, I had quarterbacks of Baker Mayfield and Matt Ryan, just because I waited a little bit later than what I typically would. But I'm totally fine with that because I got the difference maker in Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. Running backs of Najee Harris, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, Trey Sermon, and Philip Lindsay to have a nice core grouping at least to start with and see how the season goes along. And then a nice core of receivers of the upside of C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, Robbie Anderson, Antonio Brown, and then Gabriel Davis. Um, really, with this mock draft, it's one of the first ones I've seen that hasn't seen a ton of huge runs at really any given position besides the quarterback run there in the ninth. Um, but overall, it was a very clean draft, I will say overall. But what we will do is put up both of these teams onto our Twitter and our Facebook as well. Uh, we will have you vote on them to let us know exactly who won this draft. It was a 12-team full-point PPR draft. And if you didn't watch us on YouTube and following along on one of our podcasts, on like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, again, check us out on facebook.com slash aka sports fletch uh great show great team it was a great second place team that you drafted there i'm very very proud of you today uh hopefully in our regular league of record on sleeper it will go a little bit better for you um any last thoughts before we end it here today Nah, man, I really enjoy it. This is a good uh, fantasy football is always a good show. Uh, we we can kind of uh, compare teams a little bit, and the mock draft was awesome. So, um, just keep in mind, folks, if you haven't already, you know, find a good league, join a good league, spend a little bit of money on your league because it just makes it a little bit more um, a little a little bit more fun and exciting for you. It makes you follow a little closer as well. I highly recommend it. I played every year, Clark, as you know. Uh, I run the league that we're in, and. Uh, I think this is my eighth year on this one. So really happy about how it's going. And um, big key thing, man, in these paid leagues, pay your dues on time. One, peace of mind. Two, you get it out the way and get it done early. And you're locked in and ready to go for the season. So just make sure you get in there, do your research, pay your dues, and have fun, man, ultimately. Absolutely. At the end of the day, just go out there, have some fun, do your research. Uh, you will get more comfortable as you do it year by year and league by league. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this mock draft. If you have any uh, questions for us, simply just let us know on any of our uh, Twitter or Twitch or anything else that we have going along here, iHeartRadio. Uh, simply just reach out to us and we have no problems answering any of your fantasy football questions. As for now, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo. And we're out. Peace.